Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Actually, in key. If we lay a strong enough foundation, we'll pass it on to you. Did you watch this? You know what this is? I know what it is. Oh, God, you can hear them really trying. This is a Zoom call. This is the cast of Hamilton, including Lynn Manuel Miranda, who does not have AIDS and is alive. Um, singing, singing to the Democrats in the Congress because to soothe their feelings because it's January sixth and they're all PTSD'd out and are scared today. So they brought the cast of Hamilton by Zoom to sing to them to make them feel better. Now, if there is a time, I don't usually do this, mm-hmm. but Russia, if you're listening, <laughs> China, if you're listening. Al Qaeda, um, who's the Boko Haram? Was that was that Boko Haram? Boko Haram is the Africa yep. one. Um, ISIS. ISIS, please. If you have a plan to totally destroy the United States, pressing one button, now is the time to do it. Now is it anybody, any alien, please destroy this entire planet. We are done. Obviously, this is how we have fizzled out. A bunch of adults have a bunch of Broadway guys in powdered wigs and little black dots on their powdered faces singing to them singing to Lim Manuel Miranda is the morale um emergency icon for this for these adults who lead us these people mm-hmm. lead us these are our betters these people lead us these people are all mostly rich too yeah you blow us all away You know what? I actually absolutely condemned the capital assault until the last. But now you're for it. I'm for it. (laughs) 
these are your, this is the Congress clapping. Thank you. Thank you for making us feel better. And this is uh, Nancy Pelosi, then, uh, you know, uh, crab walks over there. Somehow the arts have a way of saying things in a way that connects that we cannot do any other way. You know, right on the heels of giving like $38 billion to the Kennedy Center, this, I, it, who is telling me that the Democrats are the party of the working person again? Somehow the arts have a way. Mm-hmm. We weren't invited, sorry. And that's why I thought it was really important for us to have the arts lead us in this discussion. And the further discussion is worth some of the most outstanding artists. Yeah, tickets to Hamilton cost what? Two grand to go see a show? I'll never know, Alice. (laughs) Things you won't be finding out. And Hamilton, by the way, yelled at Pence five years ago. Remember that? Mm -hmm. The guy who saved the Republic, Alice. Listen to what Pelosi says out here, this little tidbit. This is so important. Writers of our time. It's essential that we establish and preserve the narrative of January 6th. You hear that? That's right. Ah, Establish and preserve the narrative. So here's the new narrative, Alice. Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them where they were and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault. Dates that occupy... Not only a place on our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7th, 1941. Yep, we're going there. <laughs> September 11th, 2001. And January 6th, 2021. There you go. Yep, January 6th, 2021, where a, pro- a trespasser was shot dead. Other than that, there was nobody, and you had 2,000 in Pearl Harbor and 3,000 in 9-11. But, yeah, no, it's it's just the same thing. As I wrote my Substack today, that is obviously grotesque, and if somebody was willing to say that, they're willing to say anything, and it's nothing. I mean, the feeling of the the building being taken over emotionally a year ago, we said it with John Gabriel, to me reminded me of 9-11 because just the, the institution was physically changed well, and, and it was like a can't go away from your tv moment right absolutely absolutely but it's not 9-11 you know it, there's 3,000 dead people in 9-11 it's a it's a to say that is a horrific thing and actually all the guys from commentary magazine are like yeah it's up there it's like, really jesus um but that's that's fine so this is this is what they're trying to do this is what democrats are trying to do one six january 6 is not a thing sorry about that it's not a thing it was not a Turning point moment. Now, you could say that the machinations by Trump and then trying to screw with the election, et cetera, you could say that that is, that is something more notable. But trespassing and even fighting with cops, which, like everybody's been saying, was done all summer by protesters that the left likes, that ain't, uh, that's not a milestone. I'm sorry about that. Right. And so I want to talk about this a little, this, like, the count thing, the, like, Pence Trump wanting Pence to not accept some of the electoral votes, some of the electors, because he felt the votes were fraudulent, right? And um, it's an interesting issue because there are some rumblings in the Senate on the right. Republicans are now saying, like, we're not going to pass your crazy whatever election reform. The John Lewis or the um, H1, whatever. We're not doing those. However... Mm -hmm. 
if you guys want to reform the Electoral Count Act to make it more obvious that the vice president does not have unilateral power to throw out uh, states' electors, we're willing to do that with you Mm -hmm. in memory of uh, the great events of January 6th. We're willing to do this. So there's, there's some like murmurings that Republicans are willing to do this. Now, what do you think leading Democrat thinkers' reaction is to this? Hell no. Of course not. Well, yeah, they want comprehensive federalization of voting is what they want. Right? So it's interesting. So I've been like watching this kind of little debate over the last few days unfolding amongst like the great minds of liberal Twitter a little bit. And, um, and you know, there are some people saying, like, here's Dylan Matthews from Vox saying, I can't believe the dominant election reformer take on this is we shouldn't reform the law that enabled Trump's coup and we should instead hold out for two bills that were obviously dead months ago. You know, so there are some people saying the obvious thing, which is like, we should take this Republican compromise, say we fixed what could have caused Trump's coup and call it a win. Yeah, but what's the difference and- between him and the Republic- the Democrats in Congress? Uh, well, I'm not sure if this is where you're going, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you where I've seen a lot of Democrats on Twitter go, which is we don't want to reform that because we might need to use it the way Trump wanted to use it to throw out state elections that we don't like later. Here's Andrew Prokop, the lead political correspondent or whatever for Vox. He goes... My issue is, where is a stolen election threat most likely to come from in the future? If it's from Congress and the vice president, then the Electoral Count Act reform is urgent. If it's from the state legislatures, the Electoral Count Act reform might actually enable election theft by tying Congress's hands. (laughs) Meaning, I like to be able to throw out state elections I don't like as long as they're on my team. Right. Right. So it's incredible. They don't really think it was a coup. They're just mad that Republicans wanted to do it. I think right. I think that's garbage either way. I think when the states send you electors, Washington, D.C. better get out of the way and count the state's electors. And sure. I don't care if it's a stupid state that has stupid, dumb election rules and their election was stolen because they're morons. If their state certified it, that's what their state gets. Like, they voted for right. that. That's what they want. Right? Like, D.C. has no right to throw out elections from other states. That's, of course. That's my bottom line. It's a principal bottom line. And I don't care who the vice president is at the time, unlike, I guess, my Democrat friends, some of them, who are for, and we knew this was true because we talked about it at the time. There were a bunch of prominent Democrats who voted against certifying the Trump election and both Bush elections. Like, mm-hmm. So they're, they're not against certifying elections if they don't like them. Right. One they're- of those is on the committee, the, the <laughs> uh, January 6th committee. Right. But, but- so it's... So, yeah, so he goes into this. He says, this would obviously be hypocritical, but if Dems are inclined to fear an election theft from Trumpist state legislatures, they might actually want to keep the current ambiguity about the VP's power. That's great. (laughs) That's great. But that wasn't what I was thinking, but that's a better point than I was thinking. My point was the original tweet you read by the Vox guy Mm -hmm. who said, you know, why don't we just do this the the thing that that would prevent this coup again? Is it the Vox guy thinks it was a coup in an insurrection? The Democrats in Congress don't. They don't really weren't really bothered by it. No. You know, they just find the political utility. They're not well, really. They'll have Hamilton sing to them every year, but they don't really. <laughs> they'd be it. bothered by it if Trump were actually declared president again. But, but a bunch of them. We might too. But a bunch of them called 
for exactly this procedure when Trump was elected. So it's total hypocrisy. Like, it's just funny because it's like the thing that people should be upset about because it is. I mean, I don't like riots either. Riots are riots. But that was not going to make a riot wasn't going to make Trump president. You can't make people president by a riot. If Trump had actually thrown out the electoral votes, then like maybe something would have happened. I don't know. But. Democrats are for that type of coup. They've tried to do that before. So, yeah, they- but how does he throw out the electoral electoral votes? <clears throat> All he, Trump could do is say, "I'm not leaving." Well, like their idea would be so basically, they wanted Pence. The plan was the like what people were saying was that if you interpret it to mean the constitution to mean that the vice president has the power to like decide on the spot whether or not the electoral votes are valid that he could have said no the ones from this state this state this state this state this state aren't valid and then neither person has a majority they each just have a plurality and then congress would get to decide right right so but anyway this is but that's like i i don't really think that the framers intended for the vice president to get to decide that like i don't think that was the intention there and i i don't i mean no matter who's president no matter who's vice president no matter who runs congress i i think the same thing like i don't think that was the plan was that you could just decide to do it no we're saying (laughs) like i don't think that's like what's intended so but i think it's interesting that there are people on the left who are willing to say out loud that they would absolutely do that if they needed to to keep trump out of office next time and that they want to preserve the ambiguity about the vp's role but let's listen to some more of today's grossness here's kamala again i just need you to tell me alice if a true this does happen regularly or b this has never happened when i meet with young people they often ask about the state of our democracy, about January 6th. And what I tell them is January 6th reflects the dual nature of democracy, its fragility and its strength. Holy God, they even write her speech vacuous. Somebody is really screwing her because <laughs> she sounds like more of a faker reading this speech than, than... She just had another person leave her office recently, too. Oh, man. Yeah, now there's... Uh, yeah, there's more... We'll get to that in a bit. Here's uh, Kamala. What this is all about, obviously, if you don't know, is like Alice just said, is um, this is all about the voting rights bill. This whole making January 6th a thing right. is about the... It's two things. Make the voting rights bill, which you can see in my Substack today. And um, obviously a reset for Biden. He's hoping to God that they can start to change the conversation. Well, uh, right, because that's why you see like the New York Times writing op-eds saying every day is now January 6th right. because every day that we don't pass this stupid bill is another insurrection and everybody. So they're immediately trying to take bad behavior by a small group of people, a small group of people, possibly with feds involved egging them on. We don't know. But like... Regardless, bad behavior by a small group of people, they're trying to make that and tie it to certain political positions to say that, like, you know, these people were badly behaved. And if you don't vote the way I want on this bill, you're a part of them. Exactly. And this thing that happened is 9-11 in Pearl Harbor. So Mm -hmm. it's really, really bad. And in the meantime, they're not willing to get on board with 
reforming the Electoral Count no. Act, obviously, no. which actually would solve the problem of what actually happened on January 6th. Yes. But no. It's a craven dark party. It really is. And Biden's the perfect president, the soulless, unethical. I hope they get rid of the filibuster. Part of me just hopes they get rid of the filibuster so that when President Ron DeSantis and the 51 Republican votes in the Senate start passing whatever the heck they want, they all run around like chickens with their heads cut off. Like, I just, I mean, I think Mansion well, and Cinema I mean, are going to keep is, them from uh, doing so- it, but... Still. If they do this stuff, if they get rid of the filibuster and start ramming stuff through, you're now going to have the new media, mm-hmm. i.e. Joe Rogan and company, watching it real time. And then when President DeSantis is there, the real media, Rogan and company, are going to say, oh, hey, the left did it first. It was good for the goose. Whatever. Right. And so you, where you have a diminished CNN, you know, right now, everybody in NBC is panicking in this. You know, people are leaving. That ship, that is like a, like the Burlington Mall right now. That is a <laughs> an empty place that once was uh, great and robust. Here's This is what Kamala is always saying. The fact that they, they put this in the same speech as the speech, as the part about September 11th, and dead policemen, et cetera, just shows you that these people are frigging cynical, dark, soulless. The American spirit is being tested. The answer yeah, right now it is. to whether we will meet that test resides where it always has resided in our country. With you, the people. And the work ahead will not be easy. Here in this very building, a decision will be made about whether we uphold the right to vote, and ensure free and fair elections. Let's be clear. We must pass the voting rights bills that are now before the Senate. Yep. So there we go. That's it. 9-11 dead, please. This, that, that, that. And then this is just a small part here, but it, it amused me. She finished off by very solemnly introducing Biden. My fellow Americans, it is my honor to introduce a public servant but the character and fortitude to meet this moment. Oh, God. A leader whose life's work has been moving our nation toward that more perfect union. President Joe Biden. And I just want to contrast that to this. It was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. Kamala reanimated a little girl from 1967 <laughs> so that she could use it to to in, 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 uh, engender sympathy from the world, from the from the country, from every voter, etc. She reanimated little Kamala Freedom Harris for everybody. <laughs> um, so, but that little what's what's that little girl thinking now? Now that the, the that the grown up version is hanging out with the segregationists. What happened to that little girl? Seems like she's been uh, disposed of pretty quickly. But and this is also just plain hits. But to try to reconcile the two, once again, this is true Kamala Harris with uh, Stephen Colbert. In those debates, you landed haymakers on Joe Biden. 
I mean, they were, his teeth were like chiclets all over the stage. And now I believe you that you're fully supportive of him. How does that transition happen? How do you go from being such a passionate opponent on such bedrock principles for you? And, and now you guys seem to be pals. It was a debate. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody landed punches like you did, though. She is a bad. It was a debate. <laughs> so you don't mean it. It was a debate. That the whole reason, literally, it was a debate. It was oh all man! Debate. I understand. Travel to the debate. He's like, yeah, I know there what a debate is. Yeah. They're covering the debate where there would be a debate of differences of opinion and issues. Okay. You know what the thing is? Is it even that is so telling about her? That's all she had available. She's so lazy to not even work with her team to find an answer to that, how they reconcile or how she reconciles it, that, that all she does is repeat. It was a debate. I mean, work with her team or there is a reality of the situation. This was obviously, it must have been an issue for Team Biden and the Biden campaign and for Biden himself mm -hmm. when she humiliates him like that on the debate stage and essentially calls him a segregationist in the middle of the Democrat debate at a time when he wasn't doing that well in the, in the primaries. And, you know, so for them to turn around and offer her this spot, like there obviously had to be conversations where they like worked through this issue and got over it. It, it, it's an obvious question, but it's also a substantive question. Mm -hmm. It's like, how did you work past this? You seemed like you were on really different wavelengths. Right. It's not a gotcha, but she doesn't. She doesn't <laughs> care. To, it's incredible. Incredible. In, in her answer, says, "Yeah, you can't trust me when I'm in front of a microphone." Yeah, I was just debating. In, it's incredible. So I mean, as though we just, couldn't already conclude that from her flip-flop and then her flip-flop right. back and then her flip-flop back so again. So she's on, just like, ultimately just absolutely just lazy. She's an absolute lazy person. Maybe because <laughs> she was because maybe she was considered uh, attractive. Maybe when she I don't know what it is, but she's lazy. But it reminds me of that answer. Reminds me of this answer. You talked about the importance of defining racism. But I, but I, unless I missed it, which is possible, I don't. I didn't hear your personal definition. Is there is there one that you would offer us? Like, how do you define racism? Sure. So racism, I would define it um, as a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. <laughs> sure, a, a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. And anti-racism is a pretty simple using the same terms. Anti-racism is a collection of anti-racist policies leading to racial, anybody want to take a guess? Equity that are substantiated by anti-racist ideas. Now with him, I think with him, Ibram Kendi, who writes if you're in a town in the Northeast uh, or anywhere in the country, could be part of your kid's curriculum. Mm -hmm. I think that he just never gets challenged about that, especially in academic circles. Yeah, because he says stuff like that and people go, oh, wow. Right. And also, you're not going to push him on racism. He's this the racism very, expert. Yeah, he's the anti-racism expert. He knows stuff. You don't, I mean, that's, You saw, by the way, that Liz Warren just quoted this definition in her new, like, health equity bill no that way. she put. Yeah. No way. Yes, I was trying to find it. I did see it the other day. I don't see it again right now. I'll have to find the link. Um, 
Uh, but yeah, she at the beginning of the bill in the definitions uses exactly those words in her bill that she you wants passed for health care. You know, it's kind of brilliant in a way, Alice. Mm-hmm. If you get rid of the principles of reason and logic, then you don't have to say anything reasonable or logical anymore. Yeah, no, it you so that makes just it easy. Stuff. Yeah, you just say say stuff. That's it. All right, here's Joe Biden talking about. Um, uh, once again, talking about the thing equivalent to 9-11 today. When you look at the mob ransacking the Capitol, destroying property, literally defecating in the hallways, rifling through the desks of senators and representatives, hunting down members of Congress, patriots? Well, so here's my thing. Um, defecating in the hallways, ransacking stuff, rifling through drawers. Was that a big feature of 9-11? Was that a big feature of Pearl Harbor? I'm not sure it was. Mm. But also, if you've got people literally defecating in the hallways, don't you think that maybe rifling through drawers should go in the cutting room floor? (laughs) Do we need to do that? They rifled through drawers. Well, maybe it was like, what's the word for it when it's um, classified information in the drawers? Yeah, maybe it was, Alice. <laughs> maybe it was. I did find the thing. It was uh, her bill from last year. Christopher Rufo was tweeting about this yesterday. Uh, Elizabeth Warren introduced the Anti-Racism in Public Health Act that included his definition of anti-racism. The term anti-racism, this is from her uh, Public Health Act, is a collection of anti-racist policies that lead to racial equity and are substantiated by anti-racist ideas. Jesus. So- <laughs> Good to know that if elected, that's what how she would want us to be served at the doctor's office is by that level of intellect and reasoning. Here's Joe Biden. I feel uh, lowballing the number of voters in 2020. To me, the true patriots were the more than 150 Americans who peacefully expressed their vote at the ballot box. I think it was more than that. Well, it's just me. It's, he did say more than 150 Americans, so true. That's true. Yeah, actually, you're right. I stand corrected. His, He's t- totally accurate. It was more than 150 Americans. Here's another. This is so telling about this administration. It tells you how much Ron Klein, who's a big Twitter guy, Twitter um, progressive, uh, this tells you how much he say he has. Our founding fathers, as imperfect as they were, set in motion an experiment that changed the world. You know, our founding fathers, I mean, total pieces of shit, obviously. Obviously racists, uh, all old white men, all bad things. None of them <laughs> trans and none of them uh, cisgender males, by the way. As imperfect as they... Like, what is what is that need to add that? Don't mention the founding fathers, sir. We've been slamming them, destroying statues of them, and, and kicking them out of uh, New York City, this, the likenesses of them now. And the and the the White House, uh, for so make sure you qualify it. Founding fathers is a slur, and it is a slur. Yeah, as imperfect as they were, we can't all be you. Joe. Well, it's like remember when uh, what's his name, David Hogg, Hogg? I don't know how I'm supposed to say his name. He said that like gun control was from our like indigenous and Latinx queer bipocs or whatever. <laughs> like 
weird. <laughs> and everyone's like, what are you talking about? Like, they they really, I mean, like, it's not long until I think people will be saying that, like, Martin Luther King was a queer BIPOC, even though he probably would have looked at you like you had two heads if you said yeah. anything like that. What our country fought for at Lexington and Concord, at Gettysburg and Omaha Beach, Seneca Falls, Selma, Alabama. What and what we were fighting for? The right to vote. I remember that was the, the last thing that they were screaming as they were coming off those <laughs> boats in Omaha Beach. Guys, this is for the right to vote. And the anti-voting Germans said, you know, we, we cannot <laughs> mow them down on the beaches, guys. We cannot but let like, these... Pat- why? That's my point. It's like, why do they feel the need? Like, isn't history more interesting if you don't right. <laughs> try and cram everything into your, like, narrative of the world, the bad guys and good guys that you perceive there to be today like why do you need to go back in time and like nicole hannah jones does this too in the 1619 project right because it's like everything has to be about race even though like it wasn't about race to those people at that time everything needs to be like about these issues oh they were they were storming omaha beach for voting rights like like that's a thing that's not what it was about at all but I mean, and it makes history dumber. It makes the world less interesting if you persist in walking around with your box of, like, good guys on this side and bad guys on this side and, like, cramming everything into that narrative all the time. Like, you could find something out. You could learn something. You could hear about conflicts in ages past and, like, learn how people who were actually different from you thought about things and what their priorities were. But no, you just have to assume everyone's either like you or like people that you think hate you. Correct. Now, here's where Biden, this is where he's a true, craven, cynical POS, mm-hmm. as cynical as any POS ever. It has less character than uh, Antler Guy or most of those other people on January 6th who were there trespassing. What he does here is more dishonorable than anything. Jill and I have more police officers in this Capitol Rotunda, not once, but twice in the wake of January 6th. Once to honor Officer Brian Sicknick who lost his life the day after the attack, and a second time to honor Officer Billy Evans, who lost his life defending this Capitol as well. Preface them with, in the wake of January 6th. Mm-hmm. Sicknick died of a stroke the day after. Yeah. Okay? If you want to uh, symbolically honor him as representing the rest of those Capitol, that's fine. But he wasn't murdered by, the cap- by the, any of these people. This other dude, who's from North Adams, Mass. Did you see this? Is he one of the ones who committed suicide? No. Else, he was killed by the woman in April, who drove the car. The black nationalist who drove the car and 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 attacked people at the checkpoint. That's nuts. Yes. Wouldn't they have a better case if they just talked about? Because people did assault police officers yes. that day. Wouldn't you it, have a better case no, if he you wants were to just make it dead. pointing out real inappropriate behavior that actually happened on January sixth? Wouldn't yes. that be a more useful exercise? But they've stu- they've stopped giving a damn. They want to conflate the two. They oh. want to make it about that. That guy was killed in April. He was freaking killed in April. Did you see Ch- Charlie Baker's statement? Uh, he mentioned the guy too, the North Adams guy. I didn't realize that was him. I thought it was one of, I know like two Capitol police officers committed suicide. One of those officers who lost his life that day was William Evans, a North Adams native who tragically leaves behind a beautiful family. So 
He was very Did he much, issue a correction? No, anything? he was very much alive that day and for many days afterwards until the Capitol was attacked by somebody else, not an insurgent. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I, it's, yeah, it... <clears throat> but that's what I'm saying is I feel like I'm not a fan of January 6th and I feel like there's a decent case to be made that people acted inappropriately. But if you just lie about totally different things and drag them in, then you like undermine the whole case for thinking the thing is even bad. <clears throat> Right, because they are who they're saying Trump is. Right, they're, they're just dirty, lying. lying, manipulative, slimeball scumbags. And the fact that we don't even know that Pelosi's not being investigated, like who called off the guard? Why were these people in the White House? Why were the Antler people in the White House? In the Capitol. You mean? No, sorry, in the Capitol. Why did that happen? How was that allowed to happen? That's what I want to know. Well, supposedly, my understanding is that they people didn't want, because they were afraid like that the, the National Guard or whoever would be like loyal to Trump and try and like bring the coup to fruition or something, right? Isn't that the rumor that people that people didn't want to call in any armed forces that they were worried might like Trump? Yeah, something like that. But the whole thing is stupid. Whatever. I don't know. I can't. Oh, here's your... I hate January 6th. Can we? So do I. Here's the last. Oh. This will put up. We'll put a button on it right here. This oh. is with Ron DeSantis today. That if this is what you said it was, why are you not charging people? So I think it's going to end up being just a politicized Charlie Foxtrot today. Um, I don't. I believe that's CF, and I think that means cluster bleep, Alan. I believe it does. Expect anything good to come out of anything that Pelosi and the gang are doing. I don't expect anything from the the corporate press to be enlightening. Um, I think it's going to be nauseating, quite frankly, um, and I'm not going to do it. But I do think that if you have this January 6th committee, why do we not know some of the people who we know were really involved in, in orchestrating this? They got pulled off the most wanted list. Christopher Ray was asked at the um, under oath what FBI was involved in that, and he would not answer the question. And so I think that this is something that, that has really been used uh, for political narrative and posturing purposes. I don't think it's been effective. You know, people here in, in Florida, they care about inflation and they care about gas prices and education and, and crime and all the key issues that are so important. And that's, that's what they talked to me about. Uh, but there is an obsession with this amongst the D.C. New York uh, uh, journalist class. And again, I think it's because it allows them to spin a narrative um, that, that they want to spin. They did not care as much uh, about what happened after 2016 when you had a false Russia collusion conspiracy theory that was put on for years because they were involved when doing it and how that may have damaged trust in institutions or all that. So um, so I just think that it's, uh, it, it is what it is, but um, it's not something that I've been con concerned about in my job here because quite frankly, it's not something that most Floridians um, have, been, have been concerned about. They're concerned about- uh, Yada, yada. Uh, I mean, how good is that guy? He bats a thousand. He does. He really <laughs> is freaking fantastic. It is incredible. It is incredible. I mean, and even just to call it nauseating, even that is like a bold choice. Totally. And accurate about the whole thing is absurd. And it it's encouraging that there's at least one politician who's willing to go out there and call it absurd. Completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, do we want to hear more overreaction? I don't want to. It, I don't. I'm sick of Chuck that. Chuck Todd says Lincoln's election was more accepted in 1860. The guy makes a great point that, of course, there was a civil war after <laughs> Lincoln was arrested. 
what else we got? Uh, I, can't, uh, I don't know what we have. Well, we have these new... Eric Adams responded to uh, the whole like mm-hmm. low-skill worker thing. He said, I was a cook. I was a dishwasher. If nobody came to my restaurant when I was in college, I wouldn't have been able to survive. When you talk about closing down our city, you're talking about putting low-wage workers out of a job. I'm not going to let that happen. Here, here. Yeah, exactly. Here, here. I mean, that's a, that's stupid for AOC to be going after him. It's just stupid. But and it's just it's it's like that's dumb, and it's also dumb for Elizabeth Warren to be going after uh, Elon Musk. I mean, these are these are two polar opposite versions of Americans. One is not productive. Uh, one uh, cheated and and took the easy route and built people out of money happily and was a immoral unethical person mm-hmm. and 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 musk is a doer he's a visionary right i get stuff done i'm sure a lot of it'll fail but a lot of it and a lot of it's big but that's what we you need big people for and i'm sorry that's what trump did too he's different than musk i'm not saying he's a different cat totally uh, i think but they have a lot of similarities well sure but trump is a guy who saw stuff and saw the um Possibility for stuff, mm-hmm. and he knew how to be in on the grift, and he came back. And yeah, I'm not gonna. I don't care. I, I am done with him. I don't need to see him anymore. I don't need to see him talk anymore. I, I'm amused. I, I wish he'd stay out of hard politics because Trump, in a good mood, smiling and laughing, is the best version because he's the funniest president there has ever been. Yeah, and one of the funniest just candidates has ever been. But uh, I mean, it, it's time that we will. This guy steps on next year on those races, and then uh, that would be terrible. Trump right. does this Just, year. Yes, find some backdoor corrupt thing that DeSantis can do for you with Florida property, <laughs> and and just call it a night. That's what I say. Yeah, I mean, I think we're gonna see him around. I think he's a little offended that. People credit him staying out of Virginia for Glenn Youngkin winning, to be honest. Uh, I do think he's, like, somewhat toxic. I think that the type of voters that are worked up and love Trump are going to probably vote Republican regardless. I mean, maybe not totally regardless, maybe not for, like, Liz Cheney, but... You know, for for someone who's going to speak to those issues, which I think is what Glenn Youngkin did. Like, I, I... at the end of the day, all the good qualities Trump has and all the bad qualities he has, but all the good qualities that Trump has, I don't think that the Trump movement is about Trump. You know, I yeah. think he's smart and knows how to ride a wave that's already there and say things that people are already thinking, but he didn't create that wave. Well, yeah, I agree with you. And that's why you, you see a lot of people saying that Trump voters were... Um, uh, Tim Dillon, the comedian, said it. Mm-hmm. The Trump voters were, were um, how did he how did he say it? Uh, let me say it this way, because I think there's some. <clears throat> but I think of anything so, like Trump voters. Tim Dillon are more... says Trump was the best con artist in history. Took people for a ride. They're still incapable of admitting how badly they were taken. No wall, no constraints on big tech, but lots of merch, shirts, hats. Sits down with O'Reilly. It was a colossal money grab, an exercise in vanity. 
He continues with Trump is fun and funny and called out lots of power factions in society that are inherently corrupt. The media, the war industry, intelligence communities, but are all added up to just a really good show. Maybe that has value. But my feeling is when he says Trump was the best current artist in history, he took people for a ride, they're still incapable of admitting how badly they were taken in. I think that's bull. I think as you were saying when you said it wasn't about Trump, who thought that we were going to have a wall of Mexico was going to pay for it? <laughs> Obviously, he was full of shit. For, for, I mean, some people did, and some there were some sections of but, like border but, barrier that were being built, right? Well, but sure, I think, but, be, but 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 people who voted for many people voted for Trump. Some are all in, okay? The guys with the antlers and the, and, the, and a lot of people at the Capitol mm-hmm. and some yeah. others were all in. There was a couple of great things about Trump. One, he said stuff that nobody would dare to say that needed to be said out loud, which was right. great. Two, he was relentless, uh, relentlessly abusive to the media, which was great. And three, he was the going guy who had any possibility of kicking the establishment in the ass, mm-hmm. which in many ways he did. Some ways he fell flat in his face. He didn't. You know, it's not easy to to train the swamp to change things in Washington D.C. when right. your friends, your enemies, have to. Time. I mean, and I think, but but I think both of us mm-hmm. voted for Trump, knowing that he was not an ethical guy, knowing that he was. He was Trump. He was Donald Trump. We knew who he was going in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think Tim Nolan's right in a sense that that was obviously the Trump's biggest accomplishments were just, you know, kicking at the media and at elites and whoever. Like, he was funny and he was fun and he was wild and crazy and you didn't know what he was going to say and he was going to say funny stuff about people and attack the right people and make them mad and he upset a lot of the right people, right? That's like the primary attraction of of Trump for Mm -hmm. a lot of voters. But secondly, I think that, you know, I think that there is a value, like, first of all, obviously, and I think even like the Jonah Goldbergs of the world are happy with the Supreme Court picks and in general, the judicial, the judicial picks across the board. Mm -hmm. Like, and a lot of that is credit to Mitch McConnell for just doing that quietly under the radar while Trump was doing whatever and not getting many headlines about it. But, you know, I think that these lockdowns and mandates and whatever else have really highlighted to a lot of people that the courts aren't an incredibly important battlefield for the future life that we're going to have in this country, no matter who we elect. And these are lifetime appointments. So this is going to shape the legal framework of our country for decades to come, which is so, so important. So that can't be underestimated. And that was just, you know, one case of Trump, just people gave him a list. He did the stuff he said he was going to do. It was fine. It's great. And, and I think that that, Absolutely, he should get credit for that. Secondly, let's give him credit for standing by Kavanaugh, too. Standing by Kavanaugh, yeah, 100%. Romney would have backed down from that fight Mm -hmm. in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat, the Kavanaugh fight. Not that uh, it remains to be seen what Kavanaugh is going to do on some of these issues. But so, I mean, I don't know. But But, no, that that shows it's better than who Trump created a template. Look at garbage Merrick Garland. Imagine if we had Merrick Garland on the court. Look at what a psychopath he is, right? So, that's that's really important and it's really good. Imagine if Merrick Garland were on the Supreme Court right now, the guy who's trying to set the FBI on parents for going to school board meetings, right? Imagine if he were on the Supreme Court and in the majority. That would be a disaster. A disaster, a disaster, a disaster. Like that's the just that alone it was worth having Trump and January 6th and everything else that Uh-oh. happened. You kicked out my mic. I kick out everything, I think. Did I kick out? Can you grab it? Are you able to I can't get it. 
something happened down here under my foot. Oh, oh, we're back in. You have the the thing is down there. What thing? The thing that all the input outputs go into. Oh, I see. I can't. I can't do anything about that right okay, now. Okay. Well, don't kick it anymore. Um. So. I don't have the thing down there, by the way. Either one of your kids or your <laughs> animals. One of my it. kids Correct. are animals. They're your kids and animals now. Um, so, <laughs> um, tell the people what you mean by that, so they don't. I mean, I have a a, a day job. So. Yes, she's got, so, she's the alpha in the house now. So <laughs> I'm in charge. I'm the... So he's in charge of the kids and animals now. Um, but the point is that. Not just that, though, but even just him being a wrench in the works of government was a plus, right? Like, I wish he could have done a lot more. And I think that if he were more industrious and, like, gave more of a shit of how government works and, like, Jesus sorry, Christ. and, like, how government works and cared about getting rid of the deep state and really doing that stuff i think there's a lot more he could have done as president and i would hope that like aranda santis or somebody like that would do more in that vein in the future but just the fact that he was there and he like didn't go along with stuff and he got rid of regulations and he like fired people from departments and didn't replace them and they like had a crisis in a lot of departments where they were terribly understaffed and he didn't fill tons of appointments like that in itself is a plus like the more you can gum up the works of government, the mm -hmm. better, because nothing government does actually helps anybody. It's all terrible. And they are all terrible. And of course, all those beltway plankton weasels, of course, immediately ran to the press to tell them what was happening. That's, that's normalized. It's happening right now. It's terrible, terrible. They're panicking. Right. Oh. But like we see that because a lot of times Republicans get a rep for being good managers. Like mm -hmm. Charlie Baker, good manager, nuts and bolts. He likes to manage people. Like that's like what we hear all the time about Repu people like Republican governors because they're good managers. Right. A lot of them come from business backgrounds. But Trump isn't that great a manager. And it showed and that's actually better when it comes to the government because <laughs> I don't want it running well because when it's running well there's a lot of bureaucrats messing with my life that I don't need and I think that like the fact that he let a bunch of government departments just sort of atrophy and become a mess was like probably better than having them run by really diligent bureaucrats right like isn't that a better outcome ultimately like I want a president who's actually going to dismantle those departments and make them go away forever but just having four years of a break from like people running the government really well like i think it's actually a good thing don't you yeah i guess so i like that you said it i appreciate it you look lovely again alice today this is the first time i've seen you in a little doggy sweater oh it's is that little scotty dogs yeah i can't tell you where this is from either you can't mm -mm. oh no it's uh oh it's the place we do not speak of mm -hmm. well all right you look lovely, Alice. I like your doggy sweater, like I just said. Um, what should we name this um, this episode? Uh, so many options. Uh, Charlie Foxtrot is up there, I think. Ooh, Alice Shattuck. Very nice. This Foxtrot is one word, right? It's mm -hmm. one word. Foxtrot. All right. That sounds, sounds good. You're pretty foxy, you know? Thanks, honey. Mon Plazer. You're you know? pretty Charlie. You know what? <laughs> How does that even mean? <laughs> no, it doesn't mean anything. 
And I'm all hopped up on DayQuil, so I could say anything at all. Alice anything got COVID again. Two weeks in a row, <laughs> no, she got it. No, it's not true. I'm By just... the way, the Moderna people said that you have to have a fourth booster. I'm not doing that crap again. I am no, done. I would rather to... now die. By the way, I was looking at like data for this, and there's evidence that boosters help for people 70 and older, but mm-hmm. not younger than that. All right. Well, I'm done. So, good. I'm done. Okay. That's fine. You can be done. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. He's at Tom Shattuck. I'm at Alice Shattuck. Uh, we're also at Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast, Burn Barrel Podcast.com. If you want to write us an email, it's Burn Barrel Podcast at gmail.com. You can talk to us there. Uh, I don't know what I'm forgetting. We're on Gab. We're on Parlor. We're thinking about making a getter account. I don't know. Say la vie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.